Welcome to Season 4 of White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life. Let's discuss dreams, rituals, intuition, afterlife, angels, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. Season one featured interviews with some of the world's leading scientists researching consciousness. And season two and three built on that solid foundation by talking to authentic spiritual experts, authors, and practitioners. And the bold theme of this season is truth whatever that means. I hope every episode offers you much needed inspiration, meaning and comfort, and perhaps even a little joy in these challenging times. So, now the scene is set, allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores, to see what magic lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores, a far green country under a swift sunrise. Returning to inspire us once more on White Shores is an end-of-life expert and spiritually focused medical doctor who has testified at Senate briefings on the importance of holistic, mind, body and soul medical care. She's also a best-selling end-of-life author and founder of the End of Life University, that's eoluniversity.com, which is an online site that provides education and tools for people to learn about and become more comfortable with approaching end-of-life and having the most peaceful and dignified end-of-life possible. In May 2020, her first interview on White Shores was entitled, What Really Matters? And her calm and reassuring words of wisdom about death and dying were much needed as the world plunged into uncertainty, fear and grief as the pandemic took hold. So many people messaged me with thanks for that episode, And several of those messages were from people who were grieving the loss of loved ones. They said listening to my guest brought them comfort beyond words. It's truly wonderful to talk to a medical doctor who embraces the vital role of spirituality in our lives and in our deaths. In season three, I interviewed critical care specialist Dr. Adam Risby, who also believes spirituality is integral for true healing. I called his episode Dr. Strange, because for me, doctors like him and my wonderful guest today, who don't just treat people as bodies or symptoms, but also as minds and souls, are true superheroes. I hope you get a lot out of my interview today and that if you fear death or have lost a loved one, you will again be reminded that death ends a life, not a relationship. I called this episode Final Fantasy because for many people the prospect of an afterlife is still considered nothing more than a fantasy. Of course, there is no solid proof of an afterlife, But if you have ever lost a loved one, 
you will know that somewhere, somehow, they are still alive in your memories, your dreams and your heart. It's a cliché, but like many clichés contains unshakable truth, that the heart really does go on and on. And death is something that more of us might want to lose our fear of. We might want to think of it as a miracle, just as we think of birth as a miracle. It is simply our consciousness, our soul, our essence, our spark, moving from one phase of existence to another. It's not the final fantasy, but in the words of J.K. Rowling, the next great adventure. And if you are grieving, death can also be a beautiful opportunity for some of the love you invested in the person who has crossed over to return to you now, to nurture, comfort and take care of you. And of course, sandwiched between the miracle of your birth and the miracle of your death is the astonishing miracle of living your precious life here on earth and the opportunity it offers you to learn and evolve through every experience, both the good and the bad. Because remember, the reason, the meaning of your life here on earth is to evolve. As long as you are learning and growing and evolving, you are living a life of deep and precious meaning, so that when your time comes for you to cross over to the other side, you will do so in the best way possible with absolutely no regrets. And please do stay tuned after this interview for the third and final movement of the most famous classical music piece of all time. The previous two movements of this concerto can be found after the interviews in the previous two episodes on White Shores, which were also afterlife-themed. I chose to include this three-movement concerto in this trio of afterlife-themed episodes because it is so well-known and so much-loved that it's almost become immortal, just as our souls are. Listening to sublime music can help unite the creative and logical parts of your brain and bring you some inner harmony. So find somewhere quiet and safe to listen. Close your eyes and treat your ears, body, mind and soul to this loving musical embrace. The piano solo is played by my son and Royal College of Music scholar Robert, and he is accompanied by the RSO. Robert also kindly produces this podcast. And on that timeless note, it's time now to meet my soulful guest and to benefit from the illumination about dying and living again that she brings. Stay tuned. If you would like to find out more about my books, warning, I'm a serial spiritual writer, as well as my features, media, mission and talks, please do visit www.theresachung.com and subscribe to my newsletter for updates as well as free gifts and incredible stories to your inbox. 
If you have any questions, insights or stories to share, please email me at my trusty angeltalk710 at aol.com email or message me via my author pages on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. I aim to reply to everyone in due course. Season 1 of White Chores can be found on the podcast page of my website and all seasons can be found wherever you download your podcasts. Be honoured and grateful if you could leave a review as it helps spread the word that spirit is real. Walking beside me today on White Shores is Dr. Karen Wyatt, a physician, best-selling author and spiritual healer. She specialises in end-of-life care. Her remarkable book, Seven Lessons for Living from the Dying, is a healing gift. She was a hugely popular guest in season two of White Shores and I think I spoke to her almost a year ago now and had so many lovely messages. I just knew her back. I wanted to have her back again to share some of her wisdom in season four. I'm thrilled she's here today. Hello, Karen. Hello, Teresa. Thank you so much for inviting me back again. Tough question. How are you (laughs) in these difficult times? I'm doing, I think I'm doing as well as can be expected. I have to do a lot of work every day trying to stay in equanimity and not lapse into despair or anxiety, Mm. but doing well. Thank you. I'm so glad you are. And and thank you for for spending the time today talking to me. I really appreciate it. And I know everybody listening is going to gain from it as well. So thank you. I'm guessing, I mean, we spoke sort of um, almost a year ago, I think. I think it was in, um, no, it was little, it was about March or April, I think we spoke last year, mm-hmm. when the pandemic was really making its presence felt and I was wanting to do something for people in lockdowns. Now we're almost a year later. The world's still in great crisis. How has that time been for you that year? Well, it has been a time of a lot of introspection for me, just having things be a little bit quieter because of lockdown, for one thing, and uh, just accepting I won't be traveling, I won't be going anywhere to speak. I've had more time for writing and journaling and really reflecting. So while it's been uh, stressful in in a way, it has at the same time been very fruitful because I feel like I've been able to to do some important spiritual growth in terms of just surrendering and um, let, letting go of what I how I thought life should be going right now. You and me, that's how I've been feeling this year as well. It's been such a transformative year. I've been rethinking everything I thought I knew. But I guess that's life, isn't it? Anyway, have you found, I mean, because we, I mean, I write about the afterlife, I know you do, um, you know, um, have you found there's been more interest than ever before in what you write about? Yes, definitely. And I see a huge need for it. I, I see people waking up and realizing that they're mortals who will one day die and that they need to confront some of these issues and give some thought to death and also to how they're living their lives, knowing and and remembering that their lives are fleeting and brief. So I've seen a big awakening happening and a need for this kind of information. 
Absolutely. Um, just for anyone who didn't listen to the last season, uh, season two, actually, when I um, spoke to Karen that episode, do check it out if you haven't, because it's a beautiful episode with some really moving content. Do check it out. But for people who haven't listened to that one, could you just do a very sort of concise story of you? <laughs> and yes, you know, who right. you are, what you do, and your books and everything? Yes, yes. I, uh, I started my career as a family medicine doctor, a general practitioner, just seeing all patients. And then my course was completely shifted when my father died by suicide, which really plunged me into the darkness of guilt and grief and just terrible pain over his death uh, that I couldn't find my way out of. And I ended up after about three years getting the the intuitive hit that I should start working in hospice and really immerse my just immerse myself in death and dying since I I wasn't I wasn't figuring out how to deal with grief that maybe that would help me so I shifted my entire career eventually to hospice which ended up feeling like exactly the place I was meant to be all along I felt home totally at home once I started doing that work and um, I learned great spiritual lessons from the patients I worked with and ended up writing the book, Seven Lessons for Living from the Dying. And now I've retired from medical practice, but I'm writing and speaking and I have my own podcast also. It's interesting you discovered the true meaning of life at the moment of death. Yes, exactly. And it was profound for me. The whole journey of being with people as they were dying and hearing their stories and watching them reflect back on life and what mattered in their life and what absolutely didn't matter. And most of them told me, gosh, I spent most of my life focusing on things that now I don't care about at all. And that really helped me change myself and change how I'm living right now. Yeah, it's that, I mean, I, I, I worked in a hospice briefly before I went to university and had the privilege of sitting with people as they were passing. It's the honesty and clarity of that moment, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, But um, Seven Lessons for the Living from the Dying, if you haven't read this book, it's recently been reissued, I believe, hasn't it? Yes, yes, in May of last year. Through popular demand, and I think that's why I first got in touch with you. It's it's all coming back now because it's been such a cramped, cramped year. Mm-hmm. I do remember, and I do remember my heart just singing when when I was hearing what you were saying. So please do check that book out if you haven't already. Obviously, I don't want you to, you can't. I'd like people to read the book because that's how they get the sense of it. But is there one of those lessons in particular that you feel maybe drawn to mentioning today and 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 sharing with listeners? Well. I would say, I guess what what came through to me from nearly every patient is that is love, that love is the most important thing that they came to realize in their lives. Most of them felt they hadn't spent enough time with people they loved or focusing on love in their lives. And I feel like it's so important for us right now because of everything that's happening in the world and here in the U.S. where I am, it's easy to descend into fear, but fear actually makes it much more difficult to get into that energy of love. And love is the one thing that can counteract the fear and the darkness and the the despair and disruption that's happening and even the hatred that we're seeing in the world. And so I do believe that that love 
is the thing that we need to be focusing on and having spiritual practices every day that help us get into that state of love, of opening our hearts and filling ourselves with love and then sharing that love with the world. It's not always easy, is it, to to feel that love? You know, if life is difficult, loss, pain, grief, especially right now, is there one practice in particular that works for you and that you recommend? Well, I have for many, many years, I've been using the um, a version of the Buddhist, love, it's a loving kindness meditation or metta that I repeat to myself almost every day as as a mantra, I guess. I can, I can say it if you would like me to. Oh, would you um, mind? The, that would one, be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, this is the version that I was taught, but there are many other versions there. But it is, may I be at peace. May my heart remain open. May I realize the beauty of my own true nature. May I be healed. May I be a source of healing for this world. And I love the the emphasis on being healed because it reminds me every day that it's my own wounds and my own shadow that keep me from experiencing love in the world. And so I have to focus every day on what, what do I need to heal within myself today? And the more I heal myself, the more I can be a healer for the rest of the world. Would you mind just repeating that again? Because I, I, I yes. just would like to hear it again. <laughs> All right. It is, may I be at peace. May my heart remain open. May I realize the beauty of my own true nature. May I be healed. May I be a source of healing for this world. I'm just going to let some silence follow that because it's so so inspiring and so much needed right now and of course we're over I'm over here in the UK have been witnessing what's been happening in your your country um difficult for you to comment but have you any any thoughts about the whys or the the way forward what's going on what has occurred to me I do believe that we're on the edge or the cusp of a big spiritual transformation around the world even and and here in our country and that we are moving from uh, a state where the ego has dominated really ego driven way of life to a more soul guided way of life and getting there making that transition is very tumultuous and before we can transform the shadow and the darkness has to come to light so that we can heal it and that, that we can repair some of the wounds that we've been carrying for a long time. So that's how I'm looking at it, that this is the process of all of this darkness is coming to the surface so that we can see it and we have an opportunity to heal it. But in the meantime, it's terrifying and it's frightening and it's the unknown. We don't know for sure what will what will come next or how this is going to unfold. So we really have to just be in the moment every single day, doing the best we can, healing our own shadow and bringing as much love and light to the world as we can every day. I think people think, oh, I shouldn't focus so much on myself. I've got to get out there and help. And of course, we all should be helping. But, you know, people do forget that changing yourself first, isn't it, is one way to change the world. 
Yes, yes, exactly. Because, you know, the shadow that we carry, I guess it's a collective shadow that we're all carrying a portion of the same shadow. So anything we heal within ourselves actually benefits everyone else. And that's why, in a way, the pandemic has been profound because it's pushed us all to be more isolated and more alone and spend more time with ourselves. But the message is, well, this is your opportunity. Work on yourself. You don't, those, those um, forms of volunteer work aren't available to you right now. You can't be going outside of your house all the time to do something for other people. So the time right now is to go within and do your own personal work. Project you. Yeah, it's all, we've got to just nurture ourselves, get to understand ourselves better. And a lot of people, I guess, they spend a lot of their life running away from that confrontation because it is, can sometimes be scary, isn't it? You don't know what you're going to uncover. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and we've had a whole, almost a whole year of it now, hasn't it? And I think moving forward, surely that's going to shift something. We won't go back to where we were, were we? we the world will be so different moving forward. I think this period of contemplation and inward focus I don't believe we can go back. And I, I base that on my experience, you know, going through the traumatic death of my dad and my grief that, to be honest, for the first three years, I wanted to go backwards. All I wanted was to be the same person I was before he died. And, and I actually believed in my mind that that could happen. I'm going to go backwards. <laughs> I'll go back. I'll be the same person until I woke up one day and realized that's ridiculous. <laughs> when something this big and this this profound happens in your life, of course it, it's meant to change you. It's meant to change you and you and you can't go back. And so I believe that's true for our society, our world as well. We we won't go back. Something some big change will have happened that hopefully we will all be here <laughs> to see it manifest. I hope so, but I've certainly, as I said, I've noticed such an interest in in the spiritual um in in the concept of a soul consciousness as never before as i said i write a lot about dream interpretation i've been inundated with media requests and people wanting to talk about their dreams because people have been dreaming more for me that's just the first entry portal into spiritual spiritual growth i and you even see it in in our entertainment programs the disney movie soul um, Netflix, Surviving Death. I wondered if you'd seen that. It's so hugely popular in America, isn't it? Yes, yes I too. haven't. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about it, and so I, I'm excited to watch that. Um, it's in the top know, ten, I believe. I mean, can you imagine that ten years ago that that was unlikely to be the case? Yes, yeah. that it even would be broadcast. Yes, on, you know, on a on a streaming network. So. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's and interesting for me that people are reaching out to me to talk about dreams. And I find, because in the BBC, especially in radio stations, like it's a much safer play, way to talk about what's invisible. Because everybody dreams, you know, it's like they get that. And I'm trying to use that platform to, to hint at this is a, the tip of the iceberg, you know, about our spiritual growth. Oh, yes. And I think that's how we, I think we many of us awaken to our own souls often through dreams that's how our that's how our higher self sometimes can contact us you know and, and make that connection and so that's really powerful send us powerful messages <clears throat> to go back to the afterlife um 
what are your thoughts about the afterlife now you're a physician which is interesting i'd like your perspective you sat with people who are dying you've written an amazing best-selling book about what you learnt when people were dying where are you now with your beliefs about an afterlife well i definitely believe in an afterlife and i actually i actually have since a very young age partly um because my grandmother had heart disease when, and when I was fairly young, I guess like in my early teens, she told me she had she'd had two heart attacks and been resuscitated twice and had the defibrillator put on her chest to bring her back to life. She told me that each time, uh, each time that happened, she went to a place of absolute pure beauty and love. And that it was the most amazing place to be. And then that coming back to this life was the most painful thing that had ever happened to her. And so I had that vision in my mind for a long time that there, we definitely go somewhere after we die. There's definitely an, an afterlife. And then being able to be with patients as they were getting close to death and hearing about um, the visitations they were having from loved ones, the visions they had the sounds they heard that all confirmed for me that, that there's definitely like our consciousness definitely persists after the physical body dies. I guess there are countless ones, but is there one particular instant that has really stayed with you? I, I guess one that, um, that made a big impact on me was a patient of ours who had end stage Alzheimer's disease he hadn't been able to speak for one year. He hadn't verbalized at all and, and could no longer speak. So he was very close to death. And one night, his wife, who was sleeping in the room next door, woke up to hear talking. And she was completely confused. It's talking coming from his room. She didn't know what had happened. Did someone break in? And they're, they're talking loudly in the other room and went in. And it was her husband and he was having a conversation she could she could discern from listening to it with his brother who had died a few years before and after after a year of not of physically not being able to speak here he was speaking in his normal voice and he was totally totally coherent and clear and she understood every word that he said and it was so so profound and it absolutely shifted everything from her for her because she understood like his brother is here waiting for him and they're talking about their plans of of where they're going and how he'll get there and she felt so comforted by it and so did the rest of our staff as well it was such an amazing story oh wow um have you got any words of advice for people who are you know with people who are dying um you know, there's always this idea we've got to fight death. You know, that's the language we use. You know, they won the battle if they survive and they lost it if they don't survive. Um, should we be encouraging that attitude towards death as a kind of a battle? I think not. I think that that is one of the harmful things the medical profession has really brought about this mindset that it's possible to defeat death, we can overcome death and we will fight it, rather than accepting death as a normal part of life that happens for everyone. And yes, there are times when we, um, when you know, someone's been in a traumatic accident, when we can absolutely save their lives and um, 
you know, restore them to health. And we should always do that when it's possible. But, but so many times it's, our efforts are futile because someone who is, you know, very, very old and nearing the end of life or someone with a terminal illness, in those cases, it's so much better for the patient if we can just embrace the fact that this dying process is normal and natural. It has its own timing. And if we can just show up and be present with our loved one, sit with them and just bring all the love we possibly can to surround them, we can help make that process a little easier for them. Do you see your role likened to a death doula, something like that? I mean, because we have midwives, don't we, for, for birth, that other miracle, and then the miracle Oh, yes, and, and that training is going on right now. Um, more and more people are being trained as death doulas, and I think it's important because it's we, like we, we need some assistance, and I think families need help from someone who's comfortable with death and has witnessed death before, who can spend time with them and guide them and and really support them as they're going through the process. I think it's I think it's very important, and it also helps us move away from medicalizing death so much because I, I think oftentimes people have the idea that if their loved one's close to death, they should be in the hospital and have doctors and nurses caring for them. But most of the time, that isn't necessary at all. They can be perfectly comfortable at home, and it's much better for the patient if they're in their own home, surrounded by their loved ones. I wish I'd had your book and, and your advice when, when you know, um, a few decades ago when I was, you know, uh, losing someone I cared deeply about, the fear, the panic. And what I realize now, that fear and panic stopped me spending those precious moments, being fully present with them. Because I didn't realize, you know, I suppose it's maturity that you realize that those moments are going to be my nourishment. Those memories are going to stay and, and carry on that relationship in, in spirit but because I was so fearful and anxious and desperate um being confronted with the death of a loved one I, I look back and I I wish I'd been more fully present yes I I've heard that often because first of all none of us know how to be with a dying person it's not something that we learn or get exposed to until it happens the first time and and um none of us really knows what to do. And we all have our own emotions that come up at that time that we have to deal with. So I think many, many people have had that experience. Not that it's not remediable, you know, because you, you can always still love your, your loved one. <laughs> you can always, in the afterlife, you know, you can always send all of your love now. And um, so, so, I mean, you can have satisfaction from that experience now but I understand what you mean the pain of looking back and realizing I wasn't fully there for that for that experience because you're intensely present you can be intensely present when someone is passing can't you and you and in that moment you can create almost eternity with the memories um, that can sustain you when they have gone when their physical presence has gone I yes. have to ask this have you had any um after, how do you connect to the afterlife? Have you had afterlife encounters yourself, or how do you how do you make connection to people that you've loved, loved and lost? Well, I tend to have dreams. I tend to see. Um, I've I've even seen many of my hospice patients in dreams, and which I have viewed as visitations because they always show up 
my even my parents or or my hospice patients show up in as light bodies in my dreams. So I view that as a visitation. And then sometimes through automatic writing, at least with my mother, um, who <clears throat> she's the most recent loved one of mine who died. And I write in my journal every day. And I bought an orange pen because orange is her favorite color. And some days I get the the hit that I need to write with the orange pen. And when I write with that pen, it's always like automatic writing and some kind of message that comes from my mom that's in my journal. And so um, that's really precious to me to um, feel that, that communication from her. Oh, that's beautiful. And automatic writing, if, if you're new to that, that's simply, you know, holding a pen and almost like channeling, isn't it? Allowing whatever energy to be channeled through that pen. And even if you write what appears to be nonsense, it doesn't matter. Am I yes. right there? Mm-hmm. And just kind of suspending your own thought. I would say um, at times when I journal, I think ahead of what I'm going to write. I think of the words mm. first and I write down what's in my head that I'm thinking. But for automatic writing, you kind of suspend that and you you don't think and you don't try to plot out, oh, what? which word should I choose in this sentence? You just let it go and just let the let the writing flow from you. I'm glad you're writing actually because I do so much typing now as I'm sure everybody does actually I find type uh, writing actually <laughs> it's I have to rethink how to do it it's almost like I'm learning how to write again because my hands have not got into that habit of writing <laughs> yes typing. my handwriting is much worse than it used to be because <laughs> I don't do it nearly as often <laughs> And I guess with the younger people, it's all their thumbs. You know, you see them texting away. Like those thumbs are just so automatic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, holding a pen, it's like my 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 handwriting is appalling now. It's it's absolutely terrible because I'm so not used to it. But you've you've inspired me to 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 maybe write more in my journal rather than type in a document, as I tend to do. Um, but the the theme of this season's pod, the theme of this season of 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 my podcast is truth because you know I've been alarmed by the spread of misinformation as everybody has been Um, and I guess when you're with someone who's crossing over I guess you're getting close to truth whatever truth is what's your understanding of truth well I did I did a lot of thinking about this because i I've written another book called The Journey from Ego to Soul. And what I realized is that it is our higher selves, our soul, if you want to call it that, that contain the truth, the absolute truth with the capital T. But it's our lower self, the ego, that has trouble with the absolute truth and tends to seek out its own truth, whatever it's comfortable with or whatever it wants to believe or whatever it wants to find. And that part of our spiritual journey here is to learn how to loosen our ego attachments so that we can focus on what our higher self is trying to tell us and teach us. And the more we are guided by our higher consciousness, the more we're actually connecting with the capital T truth. And we're less susceptible to getting um, led astray, I think, by, by misinformation you know, we, we get that intuitive hit that this is real and this is true. And we're, we have guidance that we can follow if we're connected with our higher selves. And do you think that when you when something is true for you, that you get this calmness and there's no 
chatter in the head and um, you just have a calm certainty and you typically want to do something rather than say something. Because I'm trying to, uh, to get, you know, how can you tell the difference between fear, wishful thinking and truth? I guess truth um, coming through intuition. I mean, I'm trying to sort of, do you think that truth is more soft, gentle, calm? Yes, I agree with that, especially that feeling of calmness. But it's really because the truth is in alignment with everything about us. And there's something, when you feel that alignment happen happening, <laughs> you feel it in your physical body and your emotional body. So as calmness, you know, and then you also feel it with your with your higher self as well, as if like light opening up and suddenly everything fits in its place and there's nothing within you that is discordant you know that nothing within you that says wait wait this doesn't make sense all everything it's it's matches your logical mind and your heart and and your soul all at once for a brief moment this complicated life makes sense <laughs> you know we have these moments of illumination don't we oh thank you so much and I'm glad in, in um, a few minutes ago you mentioned you are working on a new book how exciting um, um, when will that be out um, and also how can people find out more about Dr Karen Wyatt the, uh, the book is already out because I self-published it. Well, good <laughs> for you. Traditional I, having... publishing is really slow, so Do I just self-published it. I had this conversation yesterday when I was recording, I guess, because I'm recording all these episodes in, in, the, in the same cluster of weeks to release, and they were saying exactly the same. They're an international best-selling author, and they just said they were fed up of waiting a year for it because they felt that their book was a moment in time and yes. they sometimes wanted to go back into their book and alter it. And of course, if you try to do with a, that with a publisher, your editor has a heart attack. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's so laborious, you know, from idea stage to, to getting it out there. Oh, that's really interesting you've chosen to do that. Because I know that you could get a publisher if you wanted to. Was it just the choice, I want to do this my way and I want to do it faster? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just I felt an urgency like it has to it has to be there now this is important so yeah so. I guess with publishers you have at least you have a sort of an objective editor did you ask did you hire an editor to do it how, how did you you get that kind of like another pair of I eyes looking didn't. at it you, <laughs> I didn't brave you, you have I, some, yeah maybe that's me. I admit it I didn't but well, I guess in your your with your level of experience and publishing but you don't really need to do you I mean you know well, I'm sure every, all good writers would say I should have, but I guess I, it was the urgency of like, don't, don't, don't wait, don't take What's the time. What's it called? See, sorry, I was interrupting oh, you. You were telling me about it. It's called The Journey from Ego to Soul. And you can find both of the books at my website, eoluniversity.com. And that EOL stands for end of life, but it's eoluniversity.com. Beautiful. And can people find out about you there, potentially message you if yes. they want to? Fantastic. Yes, and they, they'll find my podcast and everything there. Oh, beautiful. So there's, I, I love when people listen to an episode that they've got something to go away. Because I said a lot of people are locked down or stuck at home and probably run out of all their movie and options. <laughs> and I, what I'd love each episode that people can go away and they've got a whole new world to discover. 
and yes, things and to succeed and, and, and to open their mind and heart and soul. Thank you. You're welcome. And I recorded the audiobook for uh, the journey from ego to soul myself. So if people like my voice, you can hear it on the audiobook. Well, it's a very calming and beautiful voice. I mean, you, sh I mean, you, you did the audio for your other, but did you do the audio for Seven Lessons from the Living? No. Why not? No. You've well, I don't, the, the publisher hasn't um, released it as done an audio book yet. I think partly because of In the pandemic last year. In this time where, where death is everywhere and people seeking this new understanding i really hope it does go out in audio i really I, yeah, I hope so too because a lot of people do prefer listening that way don't they when they can go walking yes. or get on with their, I, their housework or whatever <laughs> doing it i'm sure people listen to that podcast although i've been told people listen to this podcast before they go to sleep <laughs> oh <laughs> it's very calming i've been but told that's a good that's a good sign yes <laughs> i don't know i don't something calming <laughs> I just hope that, you know, after the 10 minute mark or something, they're still awake and they're not, they're not just nodding off. And they, but then it will go into them unconsciously, won't it? Oh, yes, thanks. yes. Thank you, Karen, so much for your time. Just two more quick questions personal to this podcast. I call it White Shores because of my love of the Lord of the Rings and the Undying Lands is White Shores in Lord of the Rings. Um, is there, you know, we've mentioned, I've, I've been mentioning actually in every episode, you know, Surviving Death and Soul which have just come out. Is there any, anything else that you could recommend um, for people in these difficult times, um, an inspiring watch or listen or anything that you can recommend? Your podcast, of course, would be a listen to recommend, but is there anything else? Yes, uh, I, just, I just got a book called Your Grief, Your Way, which is a, it's like a daily devotional, I guess you can call it, it's not really devotional, but it has daily entries, just one paragraph about grief for every day of the year. And I'm doing that this year because I realized part of healing and moving on is dealing with our old grief from the past. And this book has been really helpful. So it's Your Grief, Your Way by Shelby Forsythia. So that's a practice for 2021 that I'm doing. And if people are interested in that. Well, thank you. And that's like grieving with spirit, isn't it? I would guess. Grieving yes. with true spirit. Oh, thank you. And then the last question, because I'm asking, I don't know why, because I love music. I think it's the language of spirit and it says things that words can't. I'm, I'm creating an orchestra with my season four guests um, and I'm asking each one of them, if you could be a musical instrument, what would it be and why? I think I would be a violin I haven't yet had a violin. Thank you. And we need a violin. Why? I just, uh, something about the violin makes me weep yeah. <laughs> when I hear it. I just love it. If it's played well. <laughs> if it's played well, that's true. That's true. It can definitely go the other way. <laughs> oh, it, it, yeah, it, it's the, 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 the tone and the, the texture of the violin and it, it just, goes direct to the soul doesn't it and heart yes yes and I've always felt that way I've just always resonated with it so oh do you, do you play it no no you don't play a musical instrument well I I as a child I played the accordion <laughs> <laughs> 
which is quite, quite well, I shouldn't laugh the violin. Accordions, every every musical instrument in my book is beautiful so I shouldn't <laughs> laugh I'm just imagining you there now with an accordion I just it's got I've got that image now <laughs> except I was five years old and the accordion is pretty large I could barely see over the top of it so you know my eyes were right at the top of the accordion but for some but I was obsessed with it it was my choice at age five I don't know why but oh I love that image and then on that light-hearted note I'm just gonna say thank you again for your very precious time Karen um and I'm I know our paths will cross again I'm sure and uh thank you thank you Teresa Thank you from my heart for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores. Sensitive, kind and compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help the world heal. Thank you to Clan Re for the blissful episode music and do check out the show notes for all details about this episode and my contact details. I'm going to say goodbye for now with a musical or literary offering, a piece of heaven for you to take away and store in your heart as you return refreshed to your one precious life. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude.